Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. This is Julie Dolan. This is Liz Dolan. This is Sheila Dolan. This is Monica Dolan. This is Leanne Dolan. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Satellite Sisters. Satellite Sisters. Sisters. Go. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. Any conversation can. Any conversation can. I'm not going to write you a love song. Welcome to the show. We are the Satellite Sisters. I'm Liz Dolan. It is Sunday, June 19th. I'm in Santa Monica, California. And today we're going to play for you a rerun of a very, I don't know, important show for us that we did Father's Day 2012. And uh, longtime listeners will know that 2012 was a really uh, rocky year in our family. Our father's decline from Alzheimer's was accelerating rapidly. And the stress on all of us, but especially on our mother, was really starting to take its toll. So on this particular day, uh, Julie and I managed to find a few things to laugh about, but believe me, it was not easy. This was the first week we put our father in a memory care facility. Um, and we were all feeling just the pain and the sorrow about that, but also the need to uh, support our mother and each other. So uh, we know many of you are going through those hard years caring for and losing your parents. So that's why we decided to share this show with you today. Uh, meanwhile, my plan is to make an appearance on the Tuesday show uh, this week. That is if Leon and Julie approve. You know, Tuesday's kind of their day. But I mentioned last week that I had a big announcement to make, and I felt like Tuesday would be the day I wanted to make that announcement. So... Thank you so much, so much for all the nice answers you posted in our Facebook group and on my personal Facebook page about what you would do if you had the whole summer off. Uh, keep them coming. They are really fun. And for those of you who haven't read them yet, I think you would enjoy it. And for those of you who wrote because you were worried that I had something bad or sad to announce about myself and uh, Beth, Patricia, yeah, others, you know who you are. I promise you uh, that, that is not what's happening here. So listen to today's show. Uh, tune in on Tuesday. And remember, at iTunes and in our archive at SatelliteSisters.com, we have hundreds and hundreds of Satellite Sisters shows you can listen to, stretching back over many years. If you subscribe at iTunes, it means any new shows automatically pop up for you, and you also have access to all of those old shows. So we wish a very, very happy Father's Day to all of the satellite misters, the uh, the men who play so many important roles in everyone's lives, whether they're fathers or not. So happy Father's Day, satellite misters. You're the best. Stay tuned and stay connected. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. 
and sisters, and welcome to today's show. It is Sunday, June 17th. This is Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California, joined on the line with my sister, sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. Now, Julie, we've had quite a week, right? Liz, it's hard to believe it's only a week because it seems kind of like a lifetime. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. perhaps we should explain what we mean by that. I think we should explain. We missed our show last weekend. And so later on the show, we'll, we will tell you everything that has gone on. Not everything, but like a version, a cut-down version of what we've been through this week with our father and our mother. Because sometimes you just don't anticipate how everyone is going to react to such a dramatic change. But, uh, but this was the week that we moved our father to live in a 24-7 memory care um, unit here in Los Angeles. It's a beautiful home, and Julie was here last weekend, and Sheila was around, and, and, and Leon was around, and Leon's husband was around, and we'll talk a little bit about the split-second timing involved in the actual move. But I just want to start on kind of a lighter note with, like, we've been through a lot this week. It's been a complete emotional roller coaster for everyone involved. And you get to the point Friday afternoon where you think, okay, um, this is, like, nothing worse can happen now. We are through the worst of it. That was, some of it was unexpected, but whoo, okay, we made it through our first week. But then this happened. Then, Friday afternoon, I had left work a little bit early. I took most of the days off this week to, uh, to help my mom. And, uh, but I left work a little early Friday afternoon because I had a friend's wedding to go to Friday night, 7 p.m. Friday wedding. So I left early because I need, desperately needed a haircut, as Julie, you could testify from having been here last week, right? I yes, could, you looked a little shaggy, Liz. Yeah, yeah. A haircut wouldn't have hurt. Yeah, yeah. So haircut, freshening up the color. So I did a little bit of that Friday afternoon. Then I actually had my makeup done because I was looking a little bit bedraggled, as you can expect. So it's 5 p.m. I'm just finishing up with that process. I've the split-second timing to get to the wedding means I have 15 minutes to drive home, put on my dress, put on my shoes, and head to the far side of Los Angeles. And if I'm lucky on a Friday, I can make it there in an hour and a half. So this is what's going on in my head. And all of a sudden, my cell phone rings. And it is a call from the woman who helps our mother three days a week. Her name is Chewy, and she's been helping our parents for the last two years or so, uh, just with whatever errands they want to do and taking them to doctor's appointments and uh, helping them with cleaning, helping them with laundry, anyway, whatever. So my cell phone rings, and it's Chewy's cell phone. And I pick it up. That's a nice sound effect you got going with this story, Liz. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's calling me right now. It's probably, I'm guessing it's either Sheila or... Or Leon. I'm just going to have to take that later. So I, uh, so I answered the phone, and, and Chewie is talking and explaining to me something that I do not understand about police and helicopters, and we can't get in, and I'm having trouble understanding her for several reasons. One is that I hear mom in the background yelling at her about what to tell me, <laughs> and number two, there are apparently a lot of choppers overhead. So what I managed to glean from that first very bad conversation was, we're down near your mom's house. The police have closed off the block. They're not allowing her into the apartment at all. Julie, you can imagine what this call was like. It's like- I, 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 that, I mean, it's, it's unreal, Liz, that that was going on. Because they lived 
in, in what seems like a very nice, quiet neighborhood. Not yes. not one where you would see a lot of police and choppers and that no. you would have that kind of situation going on. No. And so it, it was unclear to me exactly what was happening, but it was clear to me I had to, like, get myself down there very quickly. And again, the clock is ticking, tick, 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 because i got to go to this wedding. And so I go down there. The first couple of times I can't find them, and then finally I find them. And it turns out that, yes, there are dozens of Santa Monica police squad cars blocking off their entire block. There are LAPD choppers overhead. There are crowds gathering. What has happened is that two robbers, it was unclear whether they were escaped convicts, I had heard at one point, or they had robbed a bank, or they were breaking into the building next door, whatever. So somebody called 911. They captured one guy, but the other guy was on the lam. And the suspicion was but the other guy was in mom's building. So oh, that's, that's yeah. why, I know, this is good news, right? Uh, I mean, this is, yeah, because that, I mean, she lives, she lives now by herself yes. in, in this building, right? And right. we all said, well, it's a nice, safe building, nothing to worry about. Yes. I guess there's some things to worry about, Liz. Some things to worry about. And remember, she's living alone for the first time ever in her entire life, right? She's now 85 years old. She's never had a moment where she went home and she was alone. She had our father, to whom she's been married for 60 years, and she had eight children. So you're not really getting a lot of alone time in that scenario. So she's been alone for five days, and on the sixth day, the building is cordoned off by the police. So that's that, that would, any, any person would find that very unsettling. So we're trying to get, before I even get there, of course, Mom and Chewie park the car, and then Mom tries to sneak in the back door to the building because she's going home no matter what. She just wants to get in the building. Okay, great, Mom. Good, yeah, good great. idea with the robber, the bad guys yeah. in the apartment building. The good idea, Mom, 85-year-old woman, to right. be sneaking in the back door. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. So luckily, because the police had the place surrounded, a very nice Santa Monica police officer stopped her and said, Ma'am, I'm not allowed to let you in there. And Mom said, but I live there. I need to go home. And he said, I'm sorry, ma'am. We think there's someone in there. And I would feel very bad if you went in there and you got shot. (laughs) So that, I guess, got her attention. She's like, okay, you're right. And then her plan was she was just going to sit on the sidewalk and wait. She told Chewie to go home. She's like, don't worry. I'll just wait wait it out. I'm sure this will all be cleared up quickly, which, and we know later, hours and hours and hours before they found the bad guy. So anyway, so now I go down. I, I meet her. Between us, we figure out what's really going on. But the only thing we really know is that Mom cannot sit on the sidewalk and wait for this situation. I know. know. And let's also say that she does, she has a cell phone, but I'm sure it's not with her and she would never use it. And the only reason you got a call is because, thank goodness, Chewy has a cell phone and use it. Right. Exactly. Otherwise, our 85 year old mom would be sitting on the bench outside her apartment building during major police action, just waiting to go back into her building. Yeah. This is like a SWAT team is forming now. There are crowds on the sidewalk. The one bad guy is there, sidewalk, uh, handcuffed, on the sidewalk, and the guns are drawn. They're holding him. And Mom's just going to sit it out. I'll just wait. No, Elizabeth, no, no, no. You don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Go home. And I'm like, Mom, you're coming to my house. I'm only 10 blocks away, people. Uh, so so I, take, I take Mom home. 
We got back to my apartment, and now I'm like, okay, you're just going to spend the night here. It'll be fine, and because uh, I'm like, because i got to go to the wedding. Oh, <laughs> i yeah. got to go. <laughs> I'm now, my entire plan, timing-wise, is blown because of these uh, robbers and the, the police activity, the SWAT team activity in mom's building. So I'm running a little bit behind schedule, and mom's trying to tell me everything that happened. I'm running around my place, just trying to, like, you know how you're, like, putting your pantyhose on at the same time that you're putting your mascara on, that kind of thing? It was, it was one, of those, one of those really quick change things. Um, I'm putting things on. Luckily, she was here, though, because I did have a little trouble zipping up my dress. So she could help me with that. And normally, I have nobody in my life to help me with that. So then, I'm, then I feel incredibly guilty. Uh, so I'm like, okay, Mom, got to go. Uh, there's some meatloaf, <laughs> meatloaf in the refrigerator with some iced tea. I don't know what else to tell you. I'll be home later on. Please do not leave the building. Whatever you do, do not just stay here. And from my place, because I'm only 10 blocks away from where they live, she could sort of go out, stand on my balcony, and poke her head out, and she would be able to see if the LAPD choppers were still there or not. So I was afraid that she was going to later on see that the situation had been resolved, and she was just going to walk home or something. Anyway, I was happy when I got home late that night uh, that she was still here. But in the next morning, when I took her home yesterday morning, I'm like, okay, mom, here's the thing. We just have to take a moment and acknowledge that you have been through a lot this week. <laughs> you have really been through like as much as a person could be expected to go through in one seven-day period. And if I have half your resilience at 85... I will be very proud of myself because that is kind of amazing what the storm you have managed to weather this week. And she did acknowledge that she was feeling, you know, she, she was having a moment of feeling like, okay, if I could get through the SWAT team, I can get through the whole rest of this. I, I but, mean, it's an incredible, and, th and thank goodness, thank goodness you were there and you could come and respond. Thank goodness our mom was not in the apartment when this was all happening. Thank goodness our dad was not in the apartment. Yes. You know, and that, you know, because it could have been very, very upsetting for him. And uh, as I'm, it's upsetting just to hear it. I mean, you know. Just, I know, Julie, you know, I felt so guilty about leaving her in my home that when I'm on the, like, 10-mile-an-hour freeway headed to the far side of Los Angeles to the wedding, I called you just to say yeah. what was going on because I'm like, somebody needs to know where mom is. And, I, I know. <laughs> oh, and I also realized I had her landlord's phone number. And in my cell phone. So Natasha, who runs the building, I called Natasha just to say, I know there are police swarming all over the building. If anyone's looking for my mom, don't worry. She's safe and sound. She's at my house. So the police don't need to bust down her door to figure out if she's in there. She's fine. She's with me. But a lot goes through your head when a SWAT team is moving on your 85-year-old mother's building. I know, Liz. Well, I mean, here's the other thing we need to ask. Did you make it to the wedding? What happened with that? It, it was a miracle. It, it was a miracle. The wedding was at 7 p.m. I pulled up at 6.59. Okay. And, but, you know, in Los Angeles, parking is half the battle. So I wasn't even feeling that good about the 6.59 arrival. I'm like, okay, it could take me a long time to find a lot or find a... Thank goodness they had a valet parker in valet front of parking. the bed. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I literally uh, pulled up, like, in my high heels and threw the guy my keys. Like, okay, thanks. All right. Okay. Here's my ticket. Thank, thank you for the ticket. Okay. Okay. See you later. Bye. And by the... 
by the skin of my teeth, I made it in there. Now, of course, it did start a tad late, so I had a little bit more margin, but not a lot. It was it was a miracle that I made it there, and it was. And everyone's like, "You look a little hairy," and I'm like. Okay, okay, don't get me started on this week. This is just, you people don't want me to bring this whole house down by telling you what, what has been going on this week in my family. So there you have it. So it, it, it has been quite a week. Julie, you were here last weekend when we actually moved my dad for people, you know, that haven't gotten an installment of this. I mean, we missed last week's show for obvious reasons. That's why we wanted to talk to you this week, but... It, it is a really, really heart-wrenching thing to do. It is. It is. I mean, after much planning, much discussion, a whole lot of research, we made the decision that it was time for, for Dad to be in a safer place in a memory care unit. So then we had to also plan, discuss, research. We asked a lot of people for advice about how you actually do it. How do you, how do you take your parent? How do you take your father and drop them off. I mean, it's it's a it is a it is a very unique experience. That's all I can say. But we, you know, being Dolans, the first thing we decided to do is we wanted to make it, you know, you know, for our mother and father, we want to make it as smooth as possible. And the one thing we know how to do is plan. And I, I have to say, I have a subspecialty in packing. Don't I? <laughs> you do. Packing. You do. You you have a subspecialty in packing, and Leon and her husband are good at the physical moving. They do a lot of that, and they make excellent use of their white minivan. Yes. So we uh, we had teams. We deployed teams for this. Sheila was involved, and in, uh, she was part of the entertainment team, which is one of the things that we realized is that, you know, we just wanted our dad to be as calm as possible. We didn't want him to get, you know, in some way, any way upset about all the moving and packing. And who doesn't get upset when you're moving and packing? I mean, it's it's a lot. So Sheila provided excellent entertainment on Saturday morning. She took our dad out for, for a nice long walk, a big breakfast. I believe our dad ate an eight-egg omelet with <laughs> something like that. It was sort of an all-you-can-eat breakfast, and my father took it to heart, and uh, and he ate that. So she did that. While, while Sheila was entertaining dad, uh, Liz, you and you and I were part of the paperwork team. Is that fair to right, say? Right, that's fair to say. It was, there are financial and legal documents. There are all kinds of admission documents, some of which we had done in advance, but some of which we needed to do that day with our mom. And so we worked with we worked with our mom to make sure that got done. And, you know, for our mom, this was a lot. And I think if anything we've learned from this experience and we could pass on to other people that might be going through a similar experience. I mean, you have the actual patient, or in, our, in this case, our father. And we spent a lot of time making sure that he was okay. I think we underestimated the reaction for our mother, the caregiver. Yes. Is that, I mean, yeah. we underestimated how, you know, how fundamental this change was going to be in her life. In fact, one of the Saturday morning when I arrived early to, to start the whole process, to get Dad and Sheila out the door, to let Leon and her husband barrack in with the minivan so that they could start packing up, that our mom wasn't ready to go. And our mom has never, ever not been ready to go in her whole life. Right. She right. was not ready. I remember, Liz, I called you. I was like, I was so shocked because right. our parents are like a half an hour early for everything. Like if you're, if they're going on their trip, the, their suitcases are packed like 
two days before. That's correct. And, yes. it, you know, it was the first sign that of how difficult this was for my mom, our mom, and, and that. Yeah, but, and I, I guess it's logical, or, but it was because my mother all along had been a big supporter of getting more help for my dad. So she hadn't been resisting moving him until just those final moments where when we actually had to do it. But she was generally on board with the idea that she could no longer care for him at home, no matter how many nurses we had coming and going at various times of day, day or night. It was just no longer physically possible for her to be like the lead caregiver. So, uh, so when she, when she did seem kind of freaked out on Saturday morning, that's when we started to realize, of course, even though she had been for the plan, there's this whole other level of transition for her when the man you've been living with for 60 years goes away. Right. And, you know, I, so that, that was one surprise. I, you know, I think the other thing that I thought about that day is, thank goodness we have as many brothers and sisters as we do, because if you are an only child or if you're from a small family and the burden of this of, you know, of this event of taking your parent to, you know, to a, a home and to a memory care unit is on you. And you're the, I mean, it, it's so much. And I, I was so glad that um, I was there, but I was also so glad, Liz, that you were there and Leon was there and Sheila and, you know, all the other brothers right. and sisters had, you know, had called and emailed and everybody was involved in this process. I mean, because it's a lot to go through. It is really a lot. When I, for those of you that are only children or small families, or I know I have friends whose parents are across the country and they're trying to figure this out long distance. I just, I, it would be nearly impossible for me to imagine um, the the burden and the stress and the worry of all of that. It would be really, really hard. So, I mean, we went through a really hard process, but. Clearly, because at least we have each other, it could have been worse. Right, right. Um, I think the other thing is that, you know, we had a lot of confidence in the, in the memory care place that we've put our dad. They have been great. They were great, um, they were great on that Saturday when we dropped my dad off. And, and I think each family has to figure out how to do it. What's the best plan for your family? Because we had asked their advice. Well, how do you do this? How long should we stay? What should we say? Who should say it? You know, when should we say it? You know, I mean, you have all of these questions, and they provided some guidance. But in the end, I think we felt like we did what would work best for our mother and for our father and for, you know, and, you know, we... For us, it really, you know, we, you know, we did it in a way that I think worked, worked best for our family. And I think that's, that's ultimately what you've got to do, you know, but it, but I think that day, you know, we, we spent a lot of time just sitting with our dad at this, at this new memory care unit, just talking to him. And while he couldn't always contribute to the conversation, you could still see that he enjoyed the sound of conversation. He enjoyed the activity of conversation. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing that we've spent a lot of time talking to each other because we went through pretty much every topic we had, I have to say, you know. as I know. I, I was thinking that. Like, thank goodness we used to host a live three-hour-a-day talk show, just us talking to each other, because that's what it was like last Saturday, just trying to keep mom calm and trying to keep 
keep dad calm. We just kept talking and kind of entertaining them and slowly making progress to what we actually needed to accomplish. Yeah, and I think that that helped that it was, you know, it was something very familiar to dad that, you know, this, you know, sitting around having a conversation. And I think all the conversation really helped our mom. Um, but there, there is no doubt, there is no doubt how hard it was. Right. Leave them there. And it's, and it's been a hard week. It's been a very hard week for our mother and father. And, um, there's, there's no way and for all of us, I mean, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat that. No. For uh, for me, I know Liz. I, I, we've talked about this. It, for me, it's like waves of grief that come over when I think about when I think about our dad. That this is the end of his. You know, this will be where he will be for the end of his life. And um, and yeah, that, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard for all of us. And so, um, in fact. You know, but for our mom, she really, you know, she's having a rough time all by herself. I'm going back out to L.A. You're going to be away this week. And yeah, uh, can, can I just say, Jewel, I know you're arriving to stay at my place tomorrow, and I will be out of town. My usual spick and span, get ready for family to come visit process never really kicked in this week. So it's it's not, you'll be fine. You'll be, it'll be fine. But if I, I should have vacuumed, and I'm just not going to. So yes. I'm just, there you go. There's a lot. There's a. There's a there, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> that is what team to deal with. I did get you some fresh milk for your coffee, though, and a few other things that I know you like. That's all in the refrigerator. But okay. the uh, whatever. Yeah. Especially because I had mom in the guest room the other night by surprise. So. <clears throat> no, it'll be great that you're here. And then um, Sheila and Leon, of course, live here full time. So they're going to see dad this afternoon. And then next week, Monica is coming down from Portland, and she's going to spend a week's vacation with our mom. For our mother, you know, if you can even just try to wrap your mind around what it would be like after being married to a man for 60 years and raising eight children to all of a sudden find yourself alone... Uh, she has been kind of weepy all week and surprised. She, she keeps saying to me, I'm just so, I'm so surprised that I'm having such separation anxiety. I was like, Mom, don't be surprised. I mean, look at what you're going through. Your transition in some ways is even more dramatic than Dad's transition because you are fully aware of everything that's going on. You know, you are sensitive to all the little changes in your life. Like this morning when we we drove there together to take dad to mass and uh, uh, mom was like Saturday night, she watches, you know, that um, uh, Doc Martin is a show on TV. It's like BBC America or something or PBS, whatever. So she said, um, she said, I felt so guilty watching Doc Martin all by myself last night. You know, so she has those waves of, she said, I just can't, every time I think of him just sitting alone there, it's really hard. So it is really hard, and that is not going to change anytime soon. That's, um, Mm -hmm. you just sort of imagine that going on for a long time for her and for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, you know, so we've been there every day this week. Somebody's been there. Here's the thing I realized, Julie, here's another little lesson I'll pass along, as long as you're going to be providing some caregiving this week. We bring in the paper every day, but he can't really read the paper anymore. But if you read a story to him or pick, pick out a couple of stories that you know will appeal to him, he really, really enjoys it. So yesterday... 
Uh, yesterday, the FBI announced the contents of Whitey Bulger's apartment. Whitey Bulger was the most, <laughs> the FBI's most wanted man who was found one block from where my parents live. I and really in a crime, high crime zone. <laughs> Apparently this is a high crime zone, and we didn't realize it. So the big FBI capture of Whitey Bulger has been a family drama that we love talking about for months and months and months since that happened. Because our father kind of knew the Bulger family growing up, so he would always tell us about, like, what a crook and what a mobster Whitey was. So the fact that Whitey was only a block from mom and dad is just hilarious to us. So yesterday, when it was in the news, exactly what they found in his apartment, which included all of these mobster movies and mobster books. I just thought that was so funny. So we had quite a laugh over that. I just read him the whole story and he, he enjoyed uh, hearing, hearing news that he couldn't really take in anymore because he can't read the paper. And I think even when he's watching the news on TV, he's not really taking in the information. So just bring a newspaper and tell him a story. That would be, that would be a recommendation. All right, Liz. Good, good suggestion. So, uh, okay. It, but it is Father's Day. It is Father's Day, and um, I know that um, they they had planned a number of special things at um, at his memory care unit for Father's Day. In fact, they were having a contest, right? Yes. For Father, for father of the Year. Yes, that's correct. Now, right. Currently, there are only three men in the unit where my, our dad is. So, so it's a pretty close contest. But um, <laughs> I loved it that Mom. They had a ballot box in the activity room, and Mom uh, this week. She felt she felt obliged. She voted for dad. She that's what she said. She filled out a um, a ballot and voted for our dad for father of the year. So how about that, Liz? Yeah. So Saturday, yesterday, when we got back to her place after the SWAT team intervention, when we finally got back in, there was a phone message on Mom's answering machine that Dad had in fact won father of the year. Uh, in in the house that he lives in. So they just wanted us to know that that would be awarded at Mass. So if we could be there for Mass, that that would be a nice thing. So that's why Mom and I went down this morning, and we participated in the Father of the Year ceremonies. But meanwhile, Sheila and Leon opted to go this afternoon because the Father's Day activity this afternoon includes ice cream sundaes. Okay. <laughs> so- Ice cream social, you can't beat that. That, That's a good time. So they're going to be there for the ice cream social, and uh, we'll see how that goes. You're right. There aren't that many dads in the place. And the the whole place is run. There seem to be, like... A lot of aging nuns and priests in the population in the, around there. So there aren't even a lot of people with children, children I think. Uh, anyway, so it was, uh, it was very nice. We have, a, we have a long road ahead of us. Our father and our mother have a long road. I, you know, I think we did spend a long time, Julie, kind of working on this as a family so that we would be confident when we made a decision that we could all, like, stick with it and support it because we know it's going to be a long haul. And, you know, I do feel good, even though it's it's incredibly painful. And like you, these waves come over me where I just imagine him all by himself down there. I still know he's in a place where he is safer and they are going to take good care of him. And we just keep saying to him, Dad, these people are here to take care of you when we can't be here to take care of you. So we will always be here, and but so will they, because Mom just can't do it all by herself anymore. And he seems to kind of get that. But I have confidence, at least for now, that we made the right decision for him and for our mom, because even though she's alone for the first time in her life, 
She just needed that respite from 24-7 care for a, you know, a very, very demanding kind of patient. Yeah, yeah. So, yep, so it's... It's it's a very um, different and uh, special Father's Day. Um, Certainly we want to wish all of you that are listening to your fathers, if you know, um, a very happy Father's Day. Um, And... I, you know, I won't forget this one, I'm sure. Yeah, right. but, um, I hope there'll be many more. Yes, I hope so too. And I hope we'll be back on next Saturday that, or next Sunday. That will be a sign that we're getting back into some kind of Satellite Sisters groove. We got several nice emails this week, people asking if we had missed last week because of a, a problem with our father. So thanks for writing. We really appreciate the fact that you understand that we're, we're doing the best we can here on the family side and on trying to produce the show. So. So it's, it's a delicate balancing act. But, uh, Julie, I'm glad at least you and I could make the scene today on the show. That's right. Those other sisters, when they get back from the ice cream social, <laughs> uh, uh, they, uh, well, I'm sure we'll have some, uh, some more fun shows uh, down the road, no doubt. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget, call your satellite sisters.